Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Starting On Podcast with me, Rich Lee. For the final time this series, thank you so, so much. Honestly, I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of what we put together. And it's all because of the guests, the people around me, and you. So thank you. If you haven't already subscribed or followed, please go and press that button right now. Go and do it wherever you listen to this podcast, because when Series 2 comes out, it will download automatically for you. So if you've enjoyed this, if you think you'd like to hear more of what comes next, and I promise you, you will. Some of the guests we've got lined up, it's just bigger and better. It's incredible. Go subscribe, follow, and it will automatically download. To which point, if you have enjoyed even one episode this year, or this this year, this series, please go and leave us a review if you haven't already. Just click that star button. Five stars are lovely. Thank you very much. Feel free to write something, it will get read, and well, now's the time to do it. So thank you, thank you to the guests, thank you to everybody that's helped and really supported putting this together. I'm not going to be back at the end of this because the episode doesn't says what I need it to do and say, and I am signing off until next time. So for the final time, this series, without further ado, I bring to you our conversation about the second half of this series conversations with Ashley Stokes. Today we're going to be going back through the second half of guests that we had in series one. There are some incredible people throughout and I am back here with one Mr. Ashley Stokes. How are you finding your newfound fame? (laughs) I've received some very lovely comments from people. I've not listened to the episodes myself. Um, but it's on the list, right? You're going you're gonna to be listening to the episodes. So I'm going to listen to them with the volume turned down so that you get the listen. <laughs> but 
but I have to listen to my own voice all day, so I, I can't be doing that then in my... Oh, man, we've had genuinely some, some lovely messages, both from people that we know, but also, I mean, I woke up this morning to a message from a guy in Italy saying how much he loved the podcast. I mean, I think in particular the Hayley Parsons one he was talking about, but, you know, just the, the podcast in general. And then I went and I looked at the breadth of listeners, you know, the geographically where they're from. We're talking 39 countries. Obviously, the majority are UK. Second is US, as you might possibly imagine. But then, you know, we're getting Philippines, Australia, Greece, Maldives, Slovakia. But that's awesome, though. Yeah. Mauritius. So, you know, we're talking tons and tons of people from all over the world listening to this idiot, for one. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> it's, it's been a wonderful first series. I know you've got some questions uh, for us to get through. But what we're going to do is go through each of the second half guests, go through some behind the scenes stuff, talk about each of them in turn. I think what resonated seemingly with some people in the last episode where we did the review was some of the stuff that maybe we didn't keep in the edit or some of the stuff that came after the fact, like Levi Roots being arrested by the hunted guy. The, the stuff that you don't necessarily know in the moment, people just appreciate that openness. And for most of us, I guess we're not creating podcasts right we're not creating content we're not going out and doing this and there's a tiny bit of even for me it was right at the beginning I was like I don't have to do that so hopefully I brought people along in this first series and showed them that you know it's it's definitely definitely doable it there is a real commitment to it there's a real as I say tact or art to being rejected and keeping going <laughs> but um no man I'm glad to have you back in thank you very very much thank you for having me should we get to the guests let's do it so we left off having just spoken about about Christian, saying that his fight was coming up. By the time this comes out, we will know the result. I have everything crossed for getting back on track win. And I've seen the opponent. I'm, I know what Christian can do. I think he does it. I think he wins. I think, you know, I mean, more than think. 99% sure that he wins. UFC is it's a freak sport. Anything can happen. You can get a, catch a stray elbow and get cut and have the fight stopped. So... I'm not much of a betting man, but if I was, then, you know, putting it all on him. So, exciting. He was the last person we spoke about, the last guest that we chatted about, which then brings us on to episode eight, which was Calderwood MBE. On this series alone, we've had OBE, OBE, so that's Cracknell and Hayley Parsons, OBE, Calderwood MBE, and then later on, Charlie Mullins, OBE, who we're going to be talking about. So, three OBEs, one MBE, world champions, Olympic gold medal winner, winners, uh, world record holders, multiple world record holders. It's just some incredibly high-achieving human beings. And Calder is very, very much in that mix. I, I, I went to Shropshire to interview Calder, did a ton of research, you know, made sure I knew everything about, you know, what she'd achieved and, you know, um, when the injury was and, and all those things. Uh, so for anybody that hasn't listened, Calder's story is a fantastic one incredibly gifted athletically Netball, represented nationally riding, yeah go for rowing it. climbing mountains um and then a different kind of rowing yeah para canoeing so she was a team gb para canoeist you know, she rode the atlantic um as the first adaptive person to row the atlantic solo just incredible uh, so I knew her CV, you know, I, I knew her kind of Wikipedia. But what I wasn't prepared for was just the loveliest, most hospitable. That comes across Do you think? in bucketfuls. Yeah, honestly. she was just yeah. like, 
when I think about resilience and I think about optimism and, you know, you try and put the two things together. And she did speak to the fact that she struggled. You know, she said, I was, I was in a, you know, I was in a way, you know, does become that kind of, why me? You know, how can this happen to me? And then she was able to, to move past that to a point of appreciation and gratitude and, and, you know, what can I do then? And all she's done since is inspire and do incredible things for victims of the Manchester arena bombing and, you know, countless other people since with her charity what was interesting to see actually just to just to, just to sort of expand on that point so she was lovely mm-hmm. throughout right as soon as she starts talking about the people that she supports to the charity mm-hmm. and i think that's when she was talking about the the bomb victims suddenly a kind of stoniness came across her because she was saying we we're not gonna do this for you mm-hmm. you do it for yourself yeah yeah like it became you know or you could, know exactly you could feel you the tone shift and clearly that's what's needed, you know, for, for those people to help them, to help them move forward. You know, we're going to give you the tools, but you've got to learn how to use them. Mm. And that, that was quite interesting. I, I, I yeah, definitely quite noticed direct, that. Yeah. yeah. Which is obviously how she, she talks to those people when she's in, you know, when, when she's in those groups. And uh, yeah, so they, they might see a very different side to her if yeah, they I'm listen sure to this. not lacking in empathy and, you know, kindness too, but maybe... That's what she realised helped her. Is that is that directness? Well, you find it with with para, I find always find it with paramedics. Right. When when if an ambulance is called, you know, normally the the bystanders, oh, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And then the paramedics will come in, and they are short, sharp, and abrupt. Yeah. Because it cuts through. Yeah. And and they they want an answer, and they you know they don't take the the vague responses. They want a clear cut answer. Yeah. And so clearly something in in the sphere of care means that that's right. an effective tool. I hadn't thought of it in that way. I did notice a slight tone shift, but you know, for me, it was it was a long interview. You know, we, we we went for quite a long time. Well, I think it edited down to like two and a half hours. Yeah, that's edited down. Yeah, you know, and she it was a funny one. In that there's very very little behind the scenes because so much was said in the interview. Yeah, um, and you know, the things that might have come out were you know were, were probably just repetition on her or my part. When I first listened to this one, and we had a conversation afterwards i think the comment i said to you was i think we'd got we were an hour and a half in if not more and we hadn't got to the atlantic row yet yeah like it's just her story is just it's just crazy you know and and i don't think what what was interesting i think and and this is where for me i certainly noticed your interviewing style drew out a lot more information i don't think she was planning on speaking about a lot of the things that she spoke about um and then you kind of you know pushed her down the route of no tell me more about this we you know, let's not rush to the end yeah because i think she was expecting to get right to but oh you does. want to talk to me about that everybody does everybody seems to think that it's maybe it's just that traditional media interview style and i mean i've, I've listened to her on other podcasts i've i've seen her in in interviews and it's almost yeah a rush to get to that main thing but there was so much interesting oh stuff God. so that we got the accident yeah. and then you've got the the I mean, row and, just, and the charity one stuff. Accident, remember she got hit off her horse by yeah. yes. a lorry <laughs> yeah and um, hay, hay bale and cancer <sighs> yeah yeah this is a woman she's a terminator i mean she is actually one of two guests we talked about levi's last week one of two guests who's had or having a film written or screenplay written about their lives incredibly hospitable and just a lovely lovely woman one of those people whose company you leave and you think i'm really glad that i met that person it's not to do her a disservice but not a quote-unquote name like uh sean conway might be in his space 
But yeah, I, I certainly so I certainly hadn't heard of Calder before the podcast. Obviously, her focus is you know she's involved in the charities and things like that. that. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think her personal brand is necessarily something she's too interested in. That's, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Uh, what I suppose people like that need is they need somebody who runs a PR agency of some sort um, <laughs> to sort of explain the benefits of that because I think some people don't, probably don't realise that actually boost your personal brand and then there's a halo effect on everything you do. Yeah, I think the the reason that you are who you are is because you're, you lift others up. I appreciate that, man. Well... Let's lift somebody else up that definitely, definitely should be in the public eye, and that is Mike McCarthy, who co-founded the Baton of Hope, the UK's largest suicide prevention campaign. He was given the Points of Light Award by um, Rishi Sunak, and it, it was an incredible campaign. We should say that. 16 people a day take their own lives. We're talking, you know, I think it's a fifth of people considered taking their own lives. Mike McCarthy's hope, and, you know, with his co-founder, Steve Phillip, who also, and both of them had lost their sons. So Mike had lost his son, Ross, and um, Steve had lost his son, Jordan, to, to suicide. Both of them have a dream of a zero suicide society. Now, that's something we could potentially even talk about, because I, I, have, I have thoughts about that, but, you know, and, and, I, think, and I think you do too. But let's, let's just, for, for a start, applaud the man. This is... This is the first episode. I, I was driving there and it's, you know, he was, where was he? Sheffield. It was far. You know, you got all this. It's a long old way. It's, it's a long old way. You know, again, I travel all over the country doing this, but um, it's a long old way. And I, I pulled up and I was like, I'm really, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. It's, it felt possibly too big. Yeah. Obviously, I asked you in the last episode, one of the questions was, like, how do you deal with the emotion? Yeah. And I mean, obviously this one, you know, we've, we've heard emotion from others mm. because obviously we've had some, we've had some crazy stories. Yeah. You know, obviously, should be a, you know, there's, there's others who've had traumatic experiences. Yeah. This is. It's on another level. It's, yeah, it, it, it's completely, it's a different type of emotion. Yeah. Because those things happen to them. And they've learned to come to terms with it in their own way and, and succeed in spite of it. Yeah. For for what Mike's gone through is something that happened to to, to a loved one, mm. and everyone responds to that differently. Yeah. And I mean, I said to him in the room, and I've said to others since, you know, grief doesn't have a timeline. It doesn't give a fuck who you are. It does not discriminate, and it will keep coming for you. It could be twenty years down the line, you just get that pang. It'll be forty or fifty years down the line, you'll get that pang. But I was sat outside of his house and his car wasn't there in the drive at the time that we were supposed to be meeting him. And I was like, I'm sure I've got the right address. So I double checked the address. And there was a bit of me, a genuine tiny bit of me that thought, that's ah, all right if we don't do this. It's okay if we don't do this. Because I was, I was, you know, it wasn't fight or flight, but it was a tiny bit. Can I do this justice? Because I, I do bring, I guess, some lived experience. You know, I just did the quotation marks. Some lived experience in and around this space. And... I am known by people that do know me for speaking about mental health in regards to resilience a tiny bit more than I am. Let's put my arm around somebody and, you know, let's let, let's let you talk because I think that talking is massively valuable. Again, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. You know, I, I think conversation changes everything. I really do. I think it changes minds much more than, I guess, we, we said this in the last one, conflict or you know, trying to kick somebody into changing their mind. But... I think as a society, we've, we've veered off in a different direction. I think we've gone in a direction that isn't good for us as a whole. And I spoke to it recently. If anybody wants to hear more about my bloody nonsense thoughts on that, um, I spoke on Reach Out for Mental Health, a podcast. I mean, let's, with, let's just call up the language that you use there. 
So we're, we're talking about mental health, which is yeah. an open conversation. Yeah. And your instinct is to go, my nonsense talk. Something <laughs> is something deep and meaningful that yeah. shaped you as a person. Yeah. And it's easy to dismiss it as nonsense talk because, well, it's because that's I've been easier told, for I've been us. told that it's not the kindest way to be and you know that it's you know not everybody thinks like you do rich and and all i've been i've been called cold-hearted i've been you know oh me too right all of those things so i'm like okay well i appreciate that not everybody will appreciate (laughs) my my thinking but if you go to yeah if if you want to listen to that is um, reach out for mental health it was with um stew whiffen and kirsty eaton um who's the founder of reach out for mental health charity and we speak at length about it but um i was sat there thinking maybe this doesn't go ahead Maybe he's forgotten. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. And maybe that's okay. So just to, just to jump right to the end of this, because yeah. I think it's a good opportunity. So you're sat there, you're nervous, you're not quite sure how it's going to play out. This, this it, is wasn't, what, it wasn't nerves. It was something else. Yeah. Okay, so you you've, got, I mean? you've, got this, you've got this sense that... Because yeah. I suppose it's one of those topics where you could create a fantastic bond mm. or you could so easily say the wrong thing oh my God. and Instantly. suddenly, you know, you've created an enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So now I, th- I think it went really well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You definitely had a, had a bond through, through, you know, throughout. Yeah. Have you spoken to him since? You know, has, has he, did he listen to, is he braver than me and actually listened he, to the episode? In fact, he, yeah, I was chatting to him a little bit afterwards. And in fact, I speak to most of the guests, you know, a few times at least afterwards as I think you have a, a bit of a responsibility to them to to talk about how the episode edits down how it went even if they're not going to listen not every guest will but you know when, when you think oh, you've probably been interviewed left and right maybe you don't listen to everything but i got a message from mike he said i'm on a train and i've just finished the podcast it is without doubt the most empathetic professional which i didn't expect and i think it was a caring interview that he'd, that he'd ever done and it brought a tear to my eye this is a man, he's been in journalism 30 years for Sky News. You know, the, the, he'd been out to war-torn countries. This is and, the man that's reported on the world's longest sausage. So. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Do you know what? I kept bringing it back up. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but, but again, that's because, you know, I was, it's, it's not gallows, but it's, you know, I have a responsibility in that room as well for it not to, and to listeners as well, for it not to just be relive your trauma for me, relive your grief. Absolutely. And yeah, so I want to, in that moment, bring it back to something like the world's largest sausage or Britain's largest sausage or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> you know, he smiled and, it, and you can tell, you know, it just pops, a, it just deflates that balloon for a minute. And, and I think that's probably even more important with somebody like Mike, because Mike is as media trained as you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you hear like CEOs talk on the news and stuff, you know, I don't know how much of it is their words, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's a craft. I, mean, I usually help with those messages, right? Go, I, right? I media train people. I have done for 15 years. I mean, the last five to 10, obviously much more so since I've been senior. Half of what they say is written by people like me. Yeah. And that's, the, that, you know, in Andrew's episode, we go through that. And so to sort of lighten the mood, catch them off guard a little bit with, with, some, with some lighthearted comments, that those walls come down. Yeah, and then we and and because I think and you do sort of notice it as well actually because when he starts you can immediately tell that this is somebody who's spoken professionally before he's he's got a he's got a he has lines he has lines that he says yeah and you know lines I knew that he'd say lines that are fundamentally brilliant because they are so concise as to be perfect perfect soundbite soundbites but I think yeah you could see that it it relaxed over time Mm -hmm. and then we got to see. The, the real, you know, in, in inverted commas, the real 
Mike, mm. um, which I think is what you're trying to. It's what, what I want to do. It's what I want to do because everybody responds to grief differently. This is a man that's been through something horrible and a family that had been through something tough. Moments before Ross took his own life, he's writing a letter and he's saying, you know, that the, the support for mental health needs to improve. And that's the beauty of, of Mike's message and, and, and Ross's message there is, you know, something needs to change here. And in his, you know, in his last moments, he's thinking of other people. And that was Mike's point. And, it, you know, you can't help but feel, you can't help but feel the weight of that. And I was very keen in the room to allow those moments where they, where they arose. And you hear it, you hear the emotion, you hear him tearfully and there's nothing like being sat in front of a man that you've just met who's bearing his soul and he's crying about his son that took his own life but also I've been in that situation before I've been in a situation before with friends family loved ones where you're you're in a you're in a dark moment and you have like what because you're uncomfortable you you have to stop it hell no let that you know if you could be a con if you could be somebody that supports that person through a difficult time and i'm not saying that i need mike certainly doesn't need that from me but what he needs is for his message to be heard and i think it was heard fucking loud and clear i think so and and i think that it's a it's a skill right so i'm somebody that is really struggles to let silence sit i'm like i'll feel this I'll come up with something to talk Most about. Most people do that. We're talking to. And, and sometimes I think you do need to just let that sit, let him gather his thoughts. On that note, he glossed over, he glazed over a couple of times, more than more than a couple of times in the episode. And you know, we we covered it with with some edits sometimes, but you know, left some some other space in it at other points because he would be speaking about something, and then you'd see it. He'd get lost in a thought about Ross, and you'd see a you'd see a tear form. And it could be 20, it was 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And, you know, you sat there letting that happen. And then he'd come back to the room and he'd say, I'm so sorry, I just went somewhere. I went somewhere, I don't know where. And that happened more than we let, you know, more than we kept in the edit. It's, without being too conceited, it's why I know this is, this is an important thing to be doing. Because there's, there's, there's something happening in these conversations that people will see, feel, you know, see from next series, but, you know, feeling this one and hearing this one is, you know, there's, there's something wonderful that happens when there's real honesty and truth and as i say my aim is not to make this a woe is me this is the worst you know this this is horrible i want lightness too and christ if we can find lightness in an episode about suicide and we did and we do then i think yeah i don't want this to be a comedy podcast either <laughs> you know there are plenty of those but it's it's about striking a balance and being human and i think well, again that's, that's, what the, right? that's what the medium does Co- conversation goes up and down and all over them. Well, certainly ours do. Yeah. <laughs> Stokes is 2am. Why are we talking about you know, yeah, well, bananas? Why are we half a bottle of whiskey down? <laughs> that's, dude, look, that's the thing. Like, this would be, these conversations would be very, very different as in, you know, with the guests, you know, if there was drink involved and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that there hasn't once been yet because I, I need them one. Oh, it could be funny though, like a podcast version of Drunk Histories. <laughs> That, that, that could be uh, yeah, yeah, that, a trick there. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> now, I'm not an expert on this. Right, just say that up front. Someone once told me that when they were growing up, there wasn't any education around drugs. So in school, they didn't talk about drugs. And so a lot of people he knew fell into the trap of drugs. And when he would talk to those people, they would say, we just didn't know. We just didn't know how bad it could genuinely be. There just mm. wasn't there just wasn't the education out there, and the, I think what the statistics do show is is that sort of talking sort of eighties kind of time mm. that 
then over the years, and it takes a while to bed in, but over the years, opiate addictions, things like that, have trended down. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm hoping is that we're seeing a few green shoots now for mental health. So I know, obviously, Mike's message is that there's not enough support there. But certainly in my experience, so I've got two secondary school-aged kids, mm-hmm. and the the support within the school, I think, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So all the parents... Uh, next week have been invited to a self-harm workshop with a with a third party they're coming in and sort of explaining to parents about what self-harm is why why do children do it what can you do to support there's multiple counseling services within the school so both external that come in but then they also offer it internally as well and the education and you know they're just talking about it more so i don't think we'll necessarily start to see an improvement for a while because there's obviously a lead time on these things but if that starts to be embedded in schools across the country everyone is more informed mm-hmm. everyone then understands that there is support that it's not a struggle you have to go through yourself and that you can talk to people they can teach you those techniques so i've been through cbt myself i found it really useful don't use it all the time you know i i always i always boast in it and <laughs> it annoys people i say i completed therapy because i finished my course earlier than i was supposed to <laughs> um, but I, I didn't take it as seriously as i should but actually the few things I took away have really helped me when I'm feeling like low and, and struggling. So I think if can I just share on what that is, like you know what, like so CBT is, uh, I mean, it's cognitive behavioural therapy, right? Yeah. So you know, I know I know how it's beneficial in that it's an interruptive kind of treatment or an interruptive therapy for for ill thoughts, right? So you yeah, think, but it, re- okay, it that's reprograms your brain. The best thing that worked for me. So there's there's a few different thoughts, and I can't remember them all, but it's black and white thinking, catastrophizing, mm-hmm. um, and and others, right? But the way that I was able to put that into practice is so we're all our own worst critic, and your internal monologue can be horrible. You wouldn't so, ever talk to somebody so else, way, like it, would and you? that's the point, right? So the way that I talked to myself or used to talk to myself mm. was pretty rubbish like every time i walk past the mirror i'd go just die and then i'd just walk off right and that's not how you that's not how you should be talking to yourself yeah. right um and it was basically it was exactly what you said is that if a friend came to you with exactly the problem you've got what would you say to them and then once you understand how you would help a friend you then just turn it around and go okay well that's how i should look at it myself so yeah so it's all that nonsense that i would be um selling myself is not what you tell a friend and just being able to visualize it that way, mm. I think has been really powerful in, in resetting my thoughts. And if I'd have been taught that when I was 11, mm. then, you know, I am who I am. I'm quite happy with who I am. Um, but if I if I had happened when I was 11, who could I have been? See, I think that, you know, we spoke Because about- I didn't learn it till I was 32, I think it was, when I went for, for mine, so only a few years ago. And do you still, do you feel like you use it regularly? So I use it. I use it subconsciously more than anything. So I'm not, I don't actively do it, which is what you are supposed to do. You're supposed to be very, you're supposed to be very front of mind. Um, but I'm not one of these people that can do that mindfulness exercise. Where, you know, it's, but I, I do notice it when yeah. I am feeling bad. I'm like, oh, actually I've, I've used that without realizing that I've used it. Reframing thoughts is, is very helpful. I don't think, you know, reframing whole emotions that you are supposed to go through, you know, in and around trauma in particular is, Absolutely. you know, so maybe I, uh, again, I, I feel like I did semi-practice CBT at a very young age without knowing that that's what I was doing because it is a reframing of thoughts. It's, uh, okay, well, this is happening. What are you going to do about it? The main, the main criticism of CBT, I think, it doesn't care about why. So I think a lot of people 
it's I I feel this way. I felt this way for ages. Mm. I want to know what caused me to be broken. And actually, Sean talks to it in in his episode. Well, let's move to it. Sean's an ex one. So oh, well, that's a very seamless way. It's like you are a professional, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. So he talks to it about if I find out what it is, I might lose who I am. And I know you've you've yeah, said things so like that. In we're talking about Sean Conway. Sean Conway is an ultra endurance athlete. He was episode ten. He owns every record that could possibly be broken <laughs> an incredibly incredibly wonderfully driven individual um at the time of speaking he'd not long finished or a month or two ago had finished the iron man 105 which was 105 iron man triathlons in 105 days every single day for 105 days so swim cycle run I remember a time we talked about in the episode where 50 marathons in 50 days was an incredible achievement. That was Dean Carnes. And that was within... Did Eddie Azard do that? Eddie, uh, Eddie Azard did, did a marathon a day for X number of days, yeah. Yeah. What Sean does, it's another level. It's almost an alien level of I, achievement. I, I, just, I just need to pick you up there, right? So I can just about do 3K yeah. as, <laughs> as a run, right? And then my brain is going, what the hell are you doing? This yeah, is ridiculous, stop. yeah. So... What Sean does is insane. Yes. Even to run a marathon. Oh, it's incredible. It's insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. absolutely incredible. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I, feel, oh. I feel like we, we, we down-talk that a little. Oh, I don't want to. No, I don't want but to down it for a know, minute. Because cause what that is, the Eddie Izzard thing, and exactly the same with a lot of the people that you've spoken to, yeah. it is just pure strength of will. Just oh, to gosh. jump back to Calder, right? Her talking about her experiences at this. She's talking about breaking her own arm, yeah. right? To get out of it and then... But she finds something in herself to go, no, I'm going to finish it. was the it. messages from people every day. She had a message from um, the people that they were, they were raising money for. So it was people in, um, in and around the charity, I think, in, in and around Climbing Out, that um, she had a message of inspiration every day that she read. And I, I forget how many days she ended up doing it, but I know she said there was a lot it more. Was a lot. Well, she did 500 miles more than she was supposed <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, because of the drift. <laughs> like, but this, yeah, so crazy. strength of mind, yes. Yeah, uh, but like, now this, this is going to sound stupid, right? And I'm, I'm happy to be the dumbest person in the room. That's, that's normally where I sit, right? I don't know what I thought happened, right? But well, I, you know, with this Iron Man thing, I don't yeah. know how I thought it worked. But mm. in my head, I think I thought it was like some kind of Forrest Gump type situation. No. Because when I found out he went home every day, yeah. that completely <laughs> blew me away. I, I just assumed he was running further and further away from his house every time he, every time I did I had it hadn't even crossed my mind that he could be going in a circle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's exactly, I think he went to the local swimming centre, yeah. did that, you know, did that, cycled, and then ran uh, ran around the coast, I think was was what he told me. And I think it's me, he's got kids, right? So, you know, at, at some stage, that sort of thing catches up with you and you can't be as selfish as you once possibly were. Yeah, I just, I hadn't even, I hadn't put enough thought in to think how, what, what's the practicalities of yeah. doing 105 Ironmans in, in a row? And yeah, the idea that he went home and spent time with his kids, I just... My main thinking prior to speaking to Sean was, I don't want to make it all about the Iron Man. I don't want to... I want to know who he is. And in fact, that's some of the best stuff we got is stuff I never, never heard before about his dad in Zimbabwe um, around the time of Mugabe who rounded on all of the... All the white farmers. All the white farmers, but also the, um, you know, the, the games keep... Or game that was keepers. interesting, wasn't it? They thought yeah. that they could become a militia. Which they bloody well could. Because they could have done, they, yeah. they, They're all armed. So Mugabe had one eye on all of those people over there with guns. You know, the number of thousands of people. Let's make their lives difficult. And he did. It was just interesting how blasé he was 
around. Well, he was blase about everything. I was just about to say, was, was, his, was there his anything? His personality was blase. Ah, anyone could do if they wanted to was, was his comment around. Which I obviously picked up and I, um, I'm like, no, Sean. But when, when you're talking about having grenade screens on your windows yeah. and stuff like that, and either way he says, oh, yeah, but it's fine, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it, it makes you think about the violence in the world in a bit of a different way. We are very privileged to live where we live, where obviously bad things do happen here, mm-hmm. but the, the reason they hit the news is because they're so rare. Yes. To live in a, to live in any, anywhere in the world I think where th- that is a possibility at any time and be so not okay with it, yeah. but just, oh, that's just day to day. I think it speaks to the, the human spirit and or what we are able to, find is our new normal and you know without getting too you know holocaust about this look at the things that people just accepted as normal because well that's just the way it is it's just the regime that's just what happens to those people and you dehumanize people and doubtless sean's family and and the, the, the fact that he is quite blasé about things you know I, I tried to get into you know didn't want to know does he? he didn't want to know i tried to get into you know like his family and you know did that have an impact and you know he went off to boarding school which he said was very common in south africa he said you know it wasn't it's not dispassionate it's just it was that bit more. Well, i suppose everyone was everyone he was at boarding school yeah was going to be experiencing the same thing right? exactly so sean was a very funny one for me because i i knew about sean beforehand yeah he, um, I, I, of, of the adventurers that you've spoken to he was the one yeah i, I mean I you know I've, I've obviously done work in and around this space helped a lot of people in and around this space over the years so i knew sean sean was a master at building his own brand he understood that there is power in looking a certain way and and I think, you know, he did lean into it. And he said at one point, he said it almost got cartoonish. And, you know, he had to kind of pull it back. So I knew Sean. I didn't know what I was going to get. I left the interview feeling like, I leave most of them feeling like we've, re- we've really connected. And, you know, we, we've bonded on a really human level because we just had a few hours of conversation that, you know, yes, gets distilled into something for people to listen to. But with Sean, I was like, you know, would, would we get on in a pub? Uh, you know, like, could we have a beer and just, you know, chill out and just shoot the shit and, you know, just talk talk about nothing? And, and you know, Sean said it himself. He's like, oh, I don't have many friends. I don't have, you know, many people I spend that much time with, you know. <laughs> um, and then on reflection, I think I really, really liked him. <laughs> I really liked him. I think, I think he came across really well. Obviously, he's, he must be an intense person because he is focus personified, right? Yes. Um, and... I don't think you have much time for it for anything else when you've got young kids and then you just happen to be, you know, I mean, I, I can't even imagine how long it would take me to, to do that Ironman. I'd, pro- I'd probably take me three months to finish one, right? <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's not going to have time to do that. I hope, it sounds like he's going to take a bit of a break now. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully that allows Seems. him to, to ground himself again. Yeah. But I, I remember the thing that always stuck with me, I think it was after he'd done the swim around, around Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in one of the interviews he was saying how his tongue started falling apart and so he'd be swimming and he'd feel something in his mouth and it was like a chunk of tongue that had come off. pretty grim um you know this is all the salt water yeah, and everything. yeah and i don't know about you if i'm partaking in an activity and my tongue starts falling apart i'm probably gonna stop <laughs> got no stamina mate That's i'm, I'm probably gonna stop you know you yeah. just don't care enough you don't care enough about i clearly don't <laughs> and, and i think i think i'm, I'm okay joking. with it <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. but that 
that sh- you know that shows the type of person. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, he must have been doing that one for charity. I imagine all of these. Are to I mean, it was his first one. Swim in the Lake of Britain was his first big thing that he did. But to put yourself through that hell to yeah. not really know what that's going to do. Yeah. Like once you've got a brand and you know you're going to be raising a lot of money for people. I think the same about like, you know, David Blaine. It's like, you don't know what that's going to do to your body. Yeah. You don't know what's standing in that block of ice for however long. You don't know. And I guess that's the pioneer aspect or nature of, of this stuff. I mean, as I say, I think Sean, I, I loved hearing about his upbringing. I mean, less about his upbringing and more about, I guess, his late teens, 20s and the struggle he went through and the financial implications of moving here from South Africa and all that stuff. Because, um, you know, I don't want to speak too much to the people that can do these ultra endurance events, but you would imagine they tend to skew more affluent and better from an upbringing perspective because it takes a lot of time, a lot, it takes of, money. A lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, you know, and, and a lot of support from and yeah, people you need, around. You need a big team. You need a team, right? So I didn't know anything about Sean. You know, I know he's obviously written his books, but, you know, I didn't know what his life looked like pre this stuff. And to find out that he was essentially just a normal bloke that worked at Snappy Snaps, Snappy Snaps. It, was good. <laughs> it was good with bloody Photoshop. And, and uh, you, think, you think of that journey as well. I always wonder what, what makes somebody who they are and, and you know... Well, that's oh, why I'm doing this thing, mate. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but it's also like, you know, what, what, would, what would often trip people up? Now, when he's talking about he's got the spot behind the sofa <laughs> in, a, in a crappy little bedsit somewhere, and then two years later... He finds himself behind the same sofa in the same crappy little bedsit. I mean, that's got to be, that, that's one of those make or break moments, I think, mm. isn't it? Where you're going. What is my life? Yeah. Wh- where am I going? What am I trying to achieve? Yeah. Um, you know, because when you first move over to a new country, I imagine that is a perfectly good arrangement. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're trying to build something. You know, because he didn't sort of suggest that anything had fundamentally gone wrong in those two years no. to bring him back there. It was, mm-hmm. it was just, just fate got him there. And... Yeah, that almost seemed hopefully that kind of galvanised him a little bit. I think so. Um, I think it then took him to, a little bit later on, you know, the whole he sold his business for a pound back to his mate. I think it's wonderful to hear somebody, again, financial motivation for most of these people that we've spoken to. For, for some, you know, Stan, but you know, for most of them, it's about security and then move beyond that. And I think it's amazing to think that you could be someone like Sean, who's still living a comfortable life, you know, done well, but you find that thing that you're good at, passionate about, and or driven in relation to, and you can make everything else follow. Yeah. It truly was one of those, you know, do what you love sort of situations. And if that doesn't work, just go back into the movie industry. What? Yeah, I know. Right? I mean, again, again. Oh, you just worked on Harry Potter, did you? You just did the stills on Harry Potter. But I, get, I love how that sort of thing happens, that serendipity that you know, I just happened to know this person that knew that person that needed this. And my skills, my particular, very particular set of skills, uh, led me to basically not being allowed to talk to Danny Radcliffe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. As with everybody, I was going to say a fascinating bloke, as if we've had one guest that isn't fascinating. As I said, I, I went to that not knowing what to make of him. I left it not quite knowing what to make of him. It wasn't until the edit that I thought, what a bloke. Yeah, yeah. You know, what a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I think, was there anything that came out of the episode for you? You sort of asked him about what drives you what's you know clearly there's a screw loose in there sean what's what's going on and he was very clear he does not want to know yeah and you you asked him a couple of times and he's like Mate, i don't want to know yeah because he is who he is he's yeah. able to achieve these things because of who he is and and whatever made him that way yeah and if he finds out 
and he then loses that ability, he might become better in another aspect of his life, mm-hmm. but the thing, his identity then disappears. Yeah. And I think you have to respect that, right? I, as, as long as he's a, a functional human being, yeah. right? And, and, a, and a fundamentally good person, which, you know, yeah, from everything good. I've heard, yes, he is. So, you know, so I completely get that. Yeah. So, you know, we're linking it back to that mental health conversation is that I think if you can crack it early, which is mm. what the schools are trying to do, then there's no, you, you become who you are. There is nothing to unlock. I've had that concern myself that, and I think you were about, to, you were going to touch on it when we first started talking about Sean is that I've often said, I don't want to fix that bit in me that makes me angry, that bit in me that gives me that drive, because if I do, then what? And to an extent, and I spoke about this on that other mental health podcast, to an extent, therapy, fine. But what it does is it cuts you open and fails to sew you back up. It, it, go, it gives you a needle and thread and says, fucking do this yourself yeah. when you're ready to, and you don't quite know how to. And I do think that for me, I can't speak for everybody, I can only ever speak for myself, obviously. Like for me, optimism, positivity, drive, all of these things are in, in doing. So doing this podcast, you know, doing, creating things, going out there, even if it doesn't work, even if it fails. And, and then even like this, it's successful. You know, you can you objectively successful charts every week to you know, 0.01% of podcasts. It's still not enough. And if there's something about me that just allowed me to be okay with that and just to take a step back and say, oh, well, I'll pat myself on the back. I haven't done that yet and I won't do that. Is it where it could be? And it's not. Yeah. And that's, so, and that's, you know, so again, something's broken in your brain, but it's broken in a good way. I hope so. Because the second that I, I, you know, I have spoken to a therapist, you know, I've done those things. And, and then I did feel like I lost a bit of myself. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's important to say, isn't it? So obviously, you know, talking about our own experiences and, and everything. And I think both yourself, Sean, achieving, it's, it's working to your benefit, whatever it is, it's working to your benefit to be successful and to keep you driving forward. Obviously those people where they feel it's holding them back, mm. then it's a completely different oh, experience. Oh my God, yeah, right? completely. You know, if, if what you're going through is keeping you in bed yep. and you're losing your friends and you, you just don't have, you know, you, you're not feeling like you anymore, then actually receiving treatment is going to then agree. bring you back to where which is what i meant by you know i can only speak for myself because yeah there's people out there that you know they don't have control in their lives or they feel like they don't have that direction or you know or whatever it is that keeps them in bed or keeps them from from pursuing something striving for something outside of upset unhappiness torment whatever you know whatever you call it after sean we found ourselves in the company of in fact the first ever interview i did Two part. Probably. I mean, the first two part episode we've ever done, probably the best rugby sevens player to ever live. And possibly, you know, you've got other incredible players like Basal Cesarevi for Fiji that are just incredible to watch. But yeah, as you said, Dan's got the records. Dan's the highest try score by some bloody distance. And what that man can't do on a rugby pitch isn't worth doing. So I think Dan was incredibly gracious in being the first person to say, yes, I'll give you my time. I'd asked him a few times and he relented and said, all right, Rich, Influence and skills. Yeah. Well, I think he had no good reason to, you know, I think we, we didn't know each other as he said, you know, we did play um, to a decent standard together, you know, to, to a point. Um, and then obviously he kicked on, but he didn't owe me anything, but 
what he did was he gave me his time and I'll, I'll always, always, always be grateful. And then I proceeded to have a terrible 18 months or so with the business and the market and, you know, PR marketing was just on its ass and, you know, things weren't fun. Where it was on, it was on my mind all the time. I'm thinking, I just asked, you know, the record try scorer. Olympian. Or Olympian, you know, silver medal winning Olympian, you know, for, for a bit of his time. And I'm probably putting too much emphasis on all of that. But either way, if Dan does listen to this, I just need him to know. And I have told him. I mean, then I'm he's since, such a lovely guy. How I, I don't think it. he's going to be holding any grudges. But it was important to me that I let him know that because... Yeah, we, we sat on his episode then and edited it. In fact, his episode was, for, for the producers that I interviewed, I had them also then edit the Dan Norton interview. I know, I listened to them. You said, <laughs> yeah, of course you did. I've you li- helped me make I've, decisions. I've listened to that episode like five times. <laughs> <laughs> different edits yeah. as well. Different, you know, we had one, didn't we, BBC guy that went down a really different route with yeah. it and, and all that. But he, um, I mean, it was interesting to see the different takes on, on how they thought I think the, the information should be put across. For me, the main thing is it's conversational and flowing. That's that's what I want. I don't want these stings and plosive kind of moments where it's like I was, I was listening to an American podcast last night, um, Dateline, and coming up, uh, you know, this this cowboy gets taken for a ride. <laughs> but it's that you know, it's, it's a very different style of podcast. And I think my favorite ones are these. They they luxuriate in the. In, in the longer form um, style. So anyway, yeah, we so Dan's was was the was the interview that producers edited to for, for the role. I completely forgot that I did that. I, yeah, I did, didn't realize did how long it was between eighteen months, man. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, eighteen months, and a lot changed for Dan. A lot changed for me in that time. So Dan, Dan, at the end of the first record, which we did on Zoom with AirPods. So the quality was shocking. Uh, and you could really hear that. And as I think I said, I was a tiny bit nervous, not because it was Dan, but because I'm like, Rich, this is everything you want to do. You've been talking about this, like, copious notes of you know, what I wanted to do and gone through 40 different names for the podcast in my head and you know, before you know, kind of settling on anything. And, um, and even when I interviewed him, it was called Something Different Then. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure in the, in the Marnie Swindles one, um, she refers to it as a different podcast, and I think you have a you have a note that says, "Oh, it was called something different uh, back then." It's um, now yeah. the starting line. So yeah, yeah. I feel like with Marnie, it might have already been the starting line, but either way, with Dan, it certainly wasn't. But a lot changed for him because he was going off to China to coach, uh, so he was going to be retiring. He still had a couple of uh, tournaments left um, that would take him somewhere near the top in terms of, you know, tournaments played. You say he got to 92, 92 I think the record yeah. was 95 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. But so he was going off to pursue this coaching career. And I think it was the Thursday, or the Wednesday or Thursday beforehand, before the Monday, I said, right, Daniels is the next one up. And he said, oh, God, really? Like, yeah. I said, that was so long ago. He said, so much has changed. I said, would you be open to recording a second part? I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we set it up and we spoke that Saturday for a rush edit um, to get it ready for the Monday, for, for midnight, 12.01 a.m. Monday. And I'm so, so glad that we did. So glad. It pulled it, it you know, really tied it up. It was a great opportunity for Dan. In the first one, he was a professional rugby player. That's what he did. In the second one, he's a retired sportsman looking back. And somebody that's done coaching and, and, and all these things, and he's on a corporate journey now. He's, you know, he's he's post rugby. This is, yeah. it was 
and I've said it since, it's a distillation, it's a time capsule. Each of those interviews, each half of that interview to me is special because it's a time capsule of this is what I was and this is what I'm going to be. So obviously that's for Dan. Yes. What are your reflections? <laughs> your first interview. Yeah. And then after you'd done a load of them. My main reflection is that in my first conversation with Dan, it's a ton of statements, not questions. So I would, I'd say, I'd tell him something he already knows about himself and then say, what do you think? So you've scored lots of tries. Why? <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think at one point I even say, and I, I do mean it, but I, I'm like, so Dan, you're not the quick, like, you know, he's rapid, one of the quickest players we've ever played with, right? And I should say, Stokes used to play with, um, with Dan as well. Never at County. Never at County. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I said to him, you know, so there are people that are quick. There are people with incredible steps. There are people that can kick and, you know, kick, chase, score. I was like, but what makes you different? Or something. Just, it was like just a shit question. I mean, it's it's sounds, formulated. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Badly. Sounds like a good question. But it's terrible. But it's like, it's one of those hard ones to answer, isn't you it? You go, You've not given uh, room. Because what I mean is, what I meant to say was, effectively get to who you are and why you are who you are. We say it every time. And, or, you know, what I'm, what I'm inferring with that question is, Mate, there's something different. Top few inches of your bloody head. There's something different in there. It wasn't so much of an interview as statement, response, statement, response, question, response, statement, response. And the second half, I hope that people can tell that I'm so much more comfortable doing it. It's even, there's, there is something unnatural about being sat in front of a mic, you know, like the second, and I'll say it now, and it'll take you out of it for five seconds. And then you get back into it. And then it's like, you can forget that there's a mic there. But when I was interviewing him that first time, I didn't forget for a second that I was interviewing somebody. Yeah. I didn't forget for a second that I was putting heaps of pressure on this being something I've wanted to do forever and would be interested in making this my life. You know, interested in, <laughs> okay, you can do this thing for a living, you know. You really can. So it became 
a pressure became you know a, a bigger weight than than I think I was I was I was ready for at the time. I think I'm hopefully better now. I'll only get better. But yeah, my my reflection of that is the first half audio was terrible and my interview technique wasn't quite what it could or what it, what it should have been and hopefully what it's grown into. What we've heard even today, you know, driving Shropshire um, up to Sheffield, obviously you're making these, you're making the decision to, but I want to do it in person. Yeah. And potentially as a blessing in disguise that your first one was a bit of a, you know, tinny tinny audio with yep. the um with the earphones and stuff that you thought actually no now i know what i want to do moving forward it's easier to do it when you're face to face so that's quite a good learning experience it's right? exactly every single one otherwise has been in person and in fact i've had some incredible guests that i could have done zooms with that i haven't and i've said that i'll wait in person like ren for instance you know the the rapper ren love ren incredible not just a rapper in fact musician artist so i've had some opportunities but I want to do it in person. There's something different about it. There's something you cannot replace. Again, I've taken from my company, we're all back in the office because it's a creative industry. I don't think you can beat bouncing off of somebody in person. No, you can. Um, you know, and there's, there's work that you can certainly do separate to, you know, not in the same room as another I was, person. I was going to save this for the next one, but um, we, we've got that now. But yeah, because obviously there's comments around working from home and, but I do, the comment I've always had, so I, I'm happy working from home because yeah. I'm established in my career. Yeah. But I know that I'm only where I am because I was able to bounce of off experienced people mm. and pick up on chat that I would never have heard otherwise. It's that osmotic I learning. Was, absolutely. Right? And that's what the offices do give. So, but that's something really hard to quantify. If anybody wants to hear me speak specifically to this, there's a, a podcast called uh, the Digital PR Podcast. And... I went on that a month or two back, speaking exactly about this as somebody that believes fundamentally in the power of being together in a creative working environment. So if you want to hear that, go find that. It's a, it's a chat, me and, and and an employee that loves the, the fact that she gets to work at home. So, uh, you know, a, a recent mum that she's like, well, this is great for me. It's like completely appreciate that. Every, it's horses for courses. Every, Every, everyone's, everyone's different. different right? Right? So I wouldn't be able to have my job now if... I had to go into the office. I only took it because it was remote mm. because their head office is not local. Yeah, right. Like, I'm not willing to commute two hours each way every day. So then... Because you don't the, care. The job... <laughs> because you the, just don't certainly care certainly don't care enough to do that. Right? <laughs> um, because also that, that means my home office would be there. So then I'm paying for that travel, right? Yeah. So it doesn't make, any, doesn't make any sense. But the remote has allowed me to take an opportunity that's worked out really well mm-hmm. for me. You know, because the geographical restrictions have been removed. Yeah. So there's absolute benefits for it. For some people, that's, you know, for some careers, for some jobs, that's, that's wonderful. It works. But we need to bring this back to we Dan. Do. Because we do, uh, we do, we do. it was, yeah, it was a good chat. And obviously, yeah, like, like him talking about going to going to China. China's one of those weird places, right? We don't hear... We don't know much about it. Much it feels, about it. It feels otherworldly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously the language barrier is so far removed Mm -hmm. because obviously the alphabet's you know completely different so Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a lot harder to pick up obviously and i think the point you made is really valid right even though you've got a translator how do you create rapport how do you Mm. create trust when you're not really talking to them yeah and that that must have been must have been a real challenging situation completely agree I mean, it's a challenging situation they knew that they were getting themselves into, and I mean by this, the Chinese rugby union. And one that I felt pissed off on his behalf for when they 
a few months in, say, nah, this isn't working, we're letting you all go. I mean, he scored a try for him, for God's sake. He did score a try for him. <laughs> so, all right, before we jump onto that, and I do want to, I just think if you're going to bring some of the best players to ever do this, and it didn't work for a few months, so, oh, let's throw that baby out with the bathwater. It's like, oh, did you ever want it to work in the first place? Just very short-sighted. Super short-sighted. They made their decision. It is what it is. You know, Dan is doing incredibly well where he is now in Dubai. And, you know, as you say, he's found his way into that corporate world. But, uh, and, you know, that post-rugby world and what that and looks I th- like to I him. think he'll do brilliantly. Like, he's, oh, he's, he's such a nice guy. All the guy. attributes, right. Yeah. I think sociability, social intelligence, I've said it on this podcast before, I'll say it again, social intelligence is far more important to me than academic intelligence. I can teach you. I can't teach you how to be. Yeah. I, can, I can, you know, I can support, but in a, in a social setting... Intelligence means well, very. Especially, it sounds like he's gone into a bit of a sales. It's more salesy. It's more personal. And right? you've got, you know, people have got to buy into you as a person. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's got this brilliant thing to go. Oh, by the way, I'm the best to ever do it, and yeah. I'm, I'm a really nice guy. Yeah, and you'll want to sell to me. You'll you want to buy from me. I think that because real... my smile is infectious. He, he is a Jack the Lad type. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a bit he's a bit silly with it, and that that is, in, as you rightly said, it's infectious. Um, and to your point, it was. I was Googling around to see, you know, his, his record, you know, while coaching China and all that stuff. Googling about Dan and China led me to a Reddit post that said, is this Dan Norton scoring for China? <laughs> so I clicked on it and this YouTube video had about 50 views. And it was a 16 minute long video and about 12 minutes, whatever. You see Dan run onto the pitch in full Chinese kit. I mean, he, his first touch of the ball is uh, length of the field trial. <laughs> and this is a man that's just retired. <laughs> I mean, he did say to me I mean, after the, the thing, fact, retiring from yeah, England, yeah, is very different. Is very so different then going and playing to the, the villagers because sort of, I can't remember how he described it, but he sort of obviously you've got the pre- Premier tier, which is mm. your England, your Fijis, mm-hmm. people like that, and then you've got the second tier, haven't you? Or yeah. the Asian Nations yeah. Cup, I think they called it, didn't it? Which is the one that they're trying to up and come. So he's scored this phenomenal try for the. China anyway. Um, so that was his final international try. The commentators can't believe it. They're like, what? <laughs> this was not the name we had written down. But yeah, it was it was wonderful. Great interview. Hugely appreciative of Dan. And a boy from Gloucester. A lad from which Gloucester. Is, which is nice. Yeah. The next episode. I said earlier on about an episode that I wasn't sure, or yeah, about a recording I wasn't sure that I should go ahead with in, in speaking to Mike. And only because... I wasn't sure that I could do it the justice that it deserved. Now, this one was one that I wasn't sure about because we'd been going back and forth for months. And in researching, I then find out that he'd said some daft things that had gotten kicked off of Twitter. He's now back on Twitter. That daft thing was someone should stop the Muslim mayor. And then when somebody responded to him and he said someone should kill him. It's fucking daft, right? Just more than daft. But surely i thought not the son of a person and this is a man that is 72 years old he sold his business um so this is charlie mullins obe uh he was made an obe in 2015 sold his business pimlico plumbing two years ago for 147 million rags to riches that's that's the best way to describe charlie grew up in north london or you know born in north london grew up there for a bit then moved south I was like, right, well, this is a real no-nonsense bloke. That's his brand. You know, he he knows we're talking about Sean and we're talking about brands. Charlie knows brand. And he knows, right, well, if I grow my hair this way, if I, you know, change my appearance in X, Y, Z way, then I become, you know, I become recognisable. 
and he likes it. He likes being recognised. But I was uncertain. I was like, oh man, you could you could have not done that. You know, we were supposed to be speaking anyway. I wanted to speak to you because you know you you are a good candidate for the starter nine. You know, you are you are controversial. He already was. You know, he's he is an interesting interesting man. And I thought, right, well, that thing that he said, as long as I talk to him about it do it some justice of conversation so he can explain himself or you know not I mean he'd already apologized and I'd already been told by his PR people listen he's already apologized you don't have to talk about that I thought well this is my podcast yeah. <laughs> and, and you know and I want to know you know I want to sit across from somebody because I think that we've stopped being able to do this in society sit across from somebody that you know might say something I don't necessarily agree with and try to understand him anyway and try to get to you know why he might have said that you know is it is it the kind of person he you know he is is it his, his upbringing blah 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 you know is it you know, how does he feel about that on reflection and i don't buy his response which was but he is a muslim so of course i you know i would say muslim mayor because he said well if he's irish i'd say irish mayor which, which, I, which I, I contest but also i don't think that's any better it's not um, right? because in the time that he grew up what were the what were the signs? No blacks, no dogs, no Irish. Yeah, yeah. So it went, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but my my point, and I didn't actually say it or articulate it as well as I meant to in the room was, okay, Islam is a, is a religion. If you knew that he was a Catholic, would you have said someone needs to stop the Catholic mayor? You wouldn't. I don't think you would. I think Muslim is a a a, a proxy word for brown well, in this context, and also it's a. I can't think of the word, but it's like it's like an incendiary type word. Yeah, like it, it's going to spark something. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because there there is a there is a, there are movements within within countries that that you know have got problems. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, obviously, we've all grown up with with what's been going on in Iraq and, and Afghanistan, Afghanistan yeah, and nine yeah. eleven and, and all of that stuff. So it creates a certain narrative, doesn't it? I think. But, but what I did find really interesting, and he's a, so he's absolutely a polarizing figure yeah. yeah yeah sure but he seems oblivious to it so he, he, know, think, he knows he's it's in because trouble his success it's because his success has come in spite of or despite that controversy contra- yeah because obviously you asked him and, and yeah, i think it was it was a really well-framed question of so you want to be mayor x percent of london i want to say a fifth if my research is still in my brain yeah yeah, yeah it's it it in the 20s yeah, yeah of x so so let's say 20 of London is made up of British Asian. Of British Asian. How are they now going to vote for you? And it's like it didn't even cross his mind that he went. Well, they still will. Yeah, because because it's about and and do you know what they might because if he can say as he you know in, in his words he said well it's about making life better for people and cool you know and that, that's I mean fair. it was it was a great response but it kind of I don't I don't like to say it because I like you said I don't think it defines people but people are of their time right and he is an old man. Right. And there's there's things that that, you know, my grandparents generation would have said that yeah. now would be completely yeah, we, unacceptable. You pull them up but, on it. Well, you would. But also, you know, that there's actually no meaning behind it. Mm. It's just what they grew up. It's the terminology they grew up with. There was no ill feeling sat behind the word. And it was just what they said. Yeah. And so it, by the way, he sort of said, oh, well, of course, they'll still vote for me. Yeah. It's almost like he didn't he didn't put the connection Appreciate together. Of, the, you've, you've said yeah. this. I mean, I think. Yeah, I completely, completely get that. And I think the, you know, he, he did say at one point, he was like, you know, I think we're making too much of the, the Muslim mayor stuff. And, and it's fair. You know, I, I, I just wanted to talk to him about it. I mean, during that conversation, he did get a call from GB News uh, about a Carol Vorderman controversy. Uh, she'd said some 
yeah, some, some things about the RAF. And it was like he was sprung. He was a, he's a, you know, he's a coiled spring waiting to go. He's on, he's on the phone to a producer and, you know, we're, we're there listening to it where he's like instant, instant kind of anti Vorderman rhetoric because that's the kind of speech that gets you on news channels because it's, I think she should be stripped of this, stripped of that. Um, you know, I think it's disgraceful, blah, blah, blah. And just to watch the man go into action quite so quickly, quite so defiantly and definitely, um, was, was kind of something to behold, actually. And I did ask him the question. I was like, do you believe everything you say? You know, do, do you think you're a controversial figure? And he was like, well, I wouldn't say it if I didn't. It's like, well, I don't know that I, that I believe that. To, you know, because you must know that, like, dude, what do you care about that? And, you know, one of his things that he said, and I loved it, was, you know, she should stick to what she knows, which is TV presenting. And I, I wanted to park up and be like, so does that mean you should only stick to plumbing? Or I should only stick to PR? And I don't believe that that's true. I don't think we should. I think, you know, we are multifaceted. We can hold many more than one thought in our brain and about, you know, many more than one thing. And clearly he does. He's got opinions on lots of different ranges, you know, a big range of issues, and that's okay. So it, it just made me smile. I came away from it. I really liked him. I, I spoke to somebody about that episode and they they'd said to me that, they just didn't vibe with him at all. Mm. It was very quickly into Fair. the podcast they realized that this isn't something, you know, they, they listened to it because, you know, they're supporting the podcast. Yeah. But they knew quite quickly, I'm not going to like this man. Right. I actually didn't feel that. You know, I'd say I don't agree with his, I don't agree with all his views. And I think <coughs> certainly when you're in, well, everybody should, but certainly when you're in the, the public eye, yeah. of course you moderate what, what you're saying and be very careful. If you don't mean something, yeah. then stay away from it mm. do you know what i mean um but he's yeah it just seems like a i don't know a bit of a sort of jack the lad type again type guy but he's got an interesting, in a very different way interesting backstory um you know and you, you can you, know, you can sort of see you you've got you've got to be impressed by what you built you've i don't you have to be see, one of my thoughts as i came away from that was i am not impressed by opulence i'm not impressed by a 10 million apartment that doesn't do anything for me you know seeing seeing a council estate that's now been turned into what is effectively just this incredibly glamorous hotel like you know luxurious apartment where you know it's owned by some you know by somebody that doesn't even live in this country and they just install a couple of mistresses which i've which i've seen you're like eh, doesn't really do anything for me you know like the, the the idea of you know i know we joked in the last one about Haley's ferrari you know like big posh cars that doesn't really you know it, like there are certainly things that I'll spend money on and it's it's not it's not that sort of thing. But you can completely understand why somebody that grew up with holes in his clothes reaches for it. I mean, I've talked before yeah, about his, his Sunday best being everyone else's bomb site. Yeah, right. That's and I think that's what I wanted to get to with him was he is a fascinating guy. I did come away from it like liking him. I do feel like he's an inspirational person in many ways. You know, he just shoots from the hip. Cares, and he cares about London. Oh Christ! He that does. Comes, he does. That does come through. through really he, it does really come through. And as I say, I I appreciated his time. He was full of innuendo and jokes and you know silly things, certain things that we had to cut out because I think that you know in 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 the wrong context they you know they don't show him or me for having not even responded to them in the best light. But uh, you know at a certain point, it's like just like your you know your grandparent analogy. Then you know what do you what do you kind of speak to and what do you just go okay well that's them. But either way, fascinating episode. I was concerned about how it might be construed. 
I hope he appreciates that I, you know, it's been both edited in terms of, you know, stuff being taken out or, or you know, moved around or whatever, but also you know, it's been promoted in, in like, with, with a genuine affection for him. Really enjoyed that episode. So on to the season series finale. The, the final guest of the first series of the Start On podcast was Susie Chan. Do you enjoy it? I really did. Yeah, again, not not someone I'd come across before. I'm not in the peloton space, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, wouldn't come across her. But yeah, again, I mean, it's hard because you you've got to say this about all of you, everyone you've interviewed, right? But what a life, what a life. And uh, I mean, the, the thing that I think is great with Susie is she was a normal person, and uh, yeah, I think quite a lot of your your your, your people have been, but you know, smoker, drinker. She gets into her thirties. And then something clicks. Not only does she start a fitness journey, her entire life changes. And I think that's brilliant because, you know, she's a mum. She's probably unhealthy if she's a smoker and a drinker. Um, you know, she's got herself into a bit of a rut. And she finds something from somewhere to go, I'm going to make a change. And we've all got excuses. There's always, oh, it's not the right time. Oh, what about the kids? What? Oh, I haven't got enough money. Oh, it's too much of a risk. Yeah. She made a, a dramatic change and now is much better for it. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's one of the, you know, there's so many of these stories, but it's like, it's never too late. You get to your mid-30s, you've still, things can still change, things can still be okay. And I think that's, I think that's really powerful. There are many things to say about Susie. And one of them is, she, to me, is a perfect end of series guest. The reason being, she is a full stop. She is the, she is exactly representative of what I wanted to speak to, which is it's about how it's about control and it's about resilience and it's about taking taking accountability for yourself and your own path and your own success. And I think she, everybody I've spoken to about this episode has said, oh, so there's hope for me then. Like, they said jokingly, right? They, oh, there's hope for me. And there is. And it's not just hope, it's that should you want to go down a different path in your life, you could be 50. You know, well, I mean, Morgan Freeman was, you know, that much older. Like, I forget how old he was, maybe in, even in his 50s, you know, before, um, you know, his first major film role. Um, KFC, Colonel Sanders. Yeah. It, KFC wasn't created until he was in his 60s. So you, there you go. So you get to these people just because we are shoved, like, you know, it's shoved in our faces, the idea of success at a young age being the thing to be. You know, these people have got it worked out. Why the fuck haven't you got it worked out? Well, it's, it's also it's society, right? So... I, I don't think the younger generations are feeling it so much, right? But certainly, we, we were on the cusp, right? We, we we straddle the old school thinking and the new school thinking. So it's basically the internet did it. But yeah. certainly when I was growing up, it was, you go to school. Mm. You, if you can go to uni, go to uni. If you can't go to uni, then you, you get a trade. Mm -hmm. But then it quite quickly, and obviously we certainly did, is you start a family, mm -hmm. you get a house, and then you just work up the corporate ladder, as you know, whatever that looks like. So that by the time you're our age, mid thirties, then you're settled. Yeah. You're, that's, that's you for life. Now you're just gonna, you're gonna get a flat line and you're going to work until you retire. And that's what we were, that, that's what life looks like. So you get so many people in our situation that maybe haven't ticked certain boxes that feel like they're failing. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, no, that's, those aren't the only things that you need to achieve. And there's a different order of bloody achievement. There's, there doesn't I mean you don't even need to achieve. That's the, you know, and, and I appreciate doing this podcast. You know, you might expect me to say something different, but you know, if you don't have designs on being a world-beating insert thing here, that's okay too. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's just 
it's just take take from this what you can and will and and you know i i do think that you know if, if you have it in you to improve your situation then you know maybe maybe we should because i think development and progress is important but equally if you don't want to fucking hell no you know nobody has to be born nobody said you know yes please i, I want to be born thank you so make of it what you want make it you know if, if that is just being happy with the stone carving for your whole life you know or, or insert thing here you know just or there'll, there'll be lots of people that are just happy and she was super happy in her museum job right yeah. it just didn't well that make was, that good was money. technically her dream job it was her dream job right from the beginning it was yeah. her dream job until she found her other dream job yeah. and this is what i think no one knows what's around the corner yeah yeah and i think you have to be open to it so a lot of people in the sort of corporate normal working world you know so not not business owners is they've got their job and they just they wait in a dead man's shoes situation. Mm. They go, oh, well, if I do enough work, then when the next promotion comes up, then hopefully I'll get it. Yeah. And then they might not get it and then rinse and repeat. But the people who I've seen sort of really blossom in that space, they've always got a few options. Mm. They're always talking to people so that if that doesn't play out, well, they've got they've got a backup plan. Yeah, They've got plan A, plan B, I mean, plan C. For me, it might end up being that this is, as I said earlier on, the thing that I do for the rest of my life, right? I didn't do, it was 35. Yeah. You know, and that's the story that I might end up telling in 10 years' time. This gives me something in a way that clearly Susie got that from running. Because, I mean, her first race was half marathon, second race was a marathon, her third race via possibly some other less organised races was the Marathon de Sable, the 250k six-day in the Saharan desert race. Absolutely ridiculous. She's done it more times than any other woman. She She was infectious. She was supportive. She's been... You know, talking about speaking to the guests after the fact, she's been absolutely lovely. You know, she's posted a good deal about this, and it's ended up being the the most listened to episode of the the series. Now, that's across. You know, that, that's that's because that's that's run, runners get through a hell of a lot of podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they do. <laughs> what else they're going to listen? You, to? you see the community around it. You know, you, you you see the peloton community. You see the running community. You know that you see these people really do rally around her and this. Some some incredibly. You know, high achieving people that I've seen on social, you know, supporting her and sharing this and, and all those things. So it's been incredibly well downloaded. But more than that, she's been very supportive and she was just asked questions that nobody's ever bothered to ask her before because I care about who she is, not what she does. Yeah. And if anything, that's a through line for every single person. I'm not, I, I was going to say, I'm not impressed by what people do. Of course I am. But I'm even more impressed by why they do that thing. Yeah. And that's, I think it, that that came out wonderfully with Susie is, you know, okay, why are you that person? Well, I was really unhappy being that person. And actually I did find this love and support and community, and, you know, in, in this sense. And, you know, she was a single mum, you know, so all the, this confluence of factors that, that lead to, okay, that's who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Yeah. And she, and she, made, oh. she makes quite an interesting point as well. Because again, to go back to my thing about people, they're always trying to go up the ladder. That's not what's right for everybody. Like, because no. she said when she's doing when she's doing the restoration stuff, she was enjoying it. That's that's what she was there to do. You know, she was hands on. I'm involved in it. And she said as she got more senior, it was less about that and it was more about admin. Yeah, and she didn't like the admin, so she she got promoted because that's what you're supposed to do. And then you go, oh, well, this isn't for me. Like maybe I'm not a people manager. Maybe maybe I'm not somebody that likes doing the the admin. The side. better you get at a thing, very often in a corporate world, right? The, the the further away from it you get, and the more managing people that are good at that thing, or you know that, that they hope can be good at that thing because it's economies of scale. 
And it's like, okay, well, if you were good at that thing, you, maybe you can manage three people that can become as good at that thing as you were. And that's how we make money. Yeah, as you rightly say, that's not the right path for everybody. So Susie was just a, a great person, as, as I say, to end on, because that's that's who I want, you know, the starting line to represent. I, I want, you know, she represents the starting line fantastically. She started in one place. Life is not a straight line, and she proved it. And I, I said a second ago that, you know, and that's her set for life. Maybe it's bloody not. Yeah. Maybe in five years' time she does something else and she's got the drive, she's got the ambition, she's got the capability and clearly that mental strength to push herself in a way. So maybe she's one of the best stand-ups that's, you know, that's ever existed, but she just doesn't know that yet. Can you explain something to me, Lil? Right? Yes. So because I'm not fitness-orientated, so she mentioned taking her mum to the Peloton offices mm-hmm. and her not, I'm not really understanding what it was and then suddenly saw a massive picture of her on the wall. Mm-hmm. So I'm not into Peloton. I don't, I understand what it is, but I've never done it. Yeah. I mean, are these instructors like semi-celebrities? Like they're, they're genuinely semi-celebrities. Within like the are people yeah. from all over the world going to go, I want to train with Susie because she's awesome. I and then we'll had a message up. from a mutual friend of ours, in fact, after the episode went out. And he sent me a video of him doing one of her classes. And was like, no way you're speaking to, you're speaking to Susie. You're speaking to Susie Chan. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're genuine. So, so I walked they into, now, yeah, they're like, so I walked into, um, they, they showed, showed us around the main Peloton offices and then the studios where they record and they go out all around the world. And a, a lucky few get to go in and she does, she's a tread instructor, so... You go into the, the classroom and I used to teach spin. So, you know, I know it's vague. You know, I'm kind of familiar with the setup. I'm not familiar with the 50 different cameras and the different angles and it looked like the Truman Show in there. So you've got all these treadmills around and there's maybe 15, 20 treadmills, maybe maybe fewer. Gets booked up miles in advance. And you can so there's go some in, people that train, some in, the people train there, in the room. But then there's But it's thousands. all about the thousands, thousands and thousands that will do the classes. So as, as we walked into the... The, the building with the studios in it, I got a photo of it, of Susie in front of an enormous screen where there's her, like, you know, noiselessly teaching in the background or like a promo of her up in, you know, bloody 20 foot kind of tall screen. They are, they're, they're within that, that space. They are well known in that space. Yeah. And people love them and they come to their classes because that's who they want to be taught by. And you can see why she talked, she spoke in the episode about the, the process, the audition process. And you spend five minutes in her company, like, you make me, you make me want to yeah. be better, to do more. And that's clearly what they're looking for. Forever grateful for her. I think she helped to elevate the podcast even further. Mm-hmm. And it's brought a different audience. Each, each guest brings a completely different audience. But she, what she's done is given us a real... A, a really fun way to end what's been and an, you know enjoyable but still at times not a straightforward look at you know some some of the most incredible people i think we've got in this country yeah and i think the, the one thing says well haven't they all just been lovely yeah like to a person pretty much i mean i can't think of anybody that hasn't been you know like infectious positivity from most of them yeah that's you know? the aim and that's that's so good isn't it because i don't know i think sometimes you see when it's business people or driven people that it's got to be quite a serious endeavor and I've got to be hundred percent focused on what I'm doing. And, and maybe, you know, if we're speaking to Dan on game day, maybe he's a little bit different yeah. than, than what he is. Right. So maybe it's a, you've got to switch it on, but everyone's just 
Well, they just seem to, but they're just very much enjoying life, aren't they? Nobody that's enjoyed any degree of success is going to knock you. Like it's you know the, the most insecure people, the most jealous. I people think Charlie that, says that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I believe it. And I've I've thought you've, you've and or articulated well, similar yeah. things in the past, which is you know if you're succeeding, you're not going to knock somebody because you see that person succeeding, or you see that person that wants to, and you bring them along with you. You put you know you put your arm around them. Nobody nobody is successful will ever slag you off. I'm sure there are going to be exceptions to that rule. Yet this Wall Street notion of success and what it takes to be this alpha that wins. The yuppie culture. The yuppie, you know, I think it's a bunch of bullshit. And I don't I don't buy into it. I think those people are doing, you know, if they're succeeding, they're succeeding with you know, with a hard heart and with with you know real resentments and insecurities. Mm. And ultimately in that mental health podcast I talk about the four chair legs. Um you know, I talk about you know one is working hard, being proud of the job that you do. Two is looking after your body, and that's you know eating, exercising, whatever um, you know, whatever that means to you. Three is loving and being loved, so that's friends, family, and four is giving back. If you've only got like let's say let's take a um, Gordon Gecko, you know Wall Street esque character, if the pursuit of a hard day's work and money is is, is your only chair leg, you don't have a chair. You've got you know if one or more of those legs are. are you know, fundamentally not working then your chair, your chair falls over that's it yeah. so I, I just don't buy this idea that you can be super duper successful in one space it's going to come back and bite you at some point unless you consider well unless unless you're, you don't care about yeah. being successful in those other spaces which is true and fair but then we've seen those people and you know there's enough cautionary tales you know what a Scrooge if not you know, Ebenezer Scrooge we're coming up to Christmas what is that if not a cautionary tale as to what happens if you, you, know, you shut yourself off to, you know, other areas of your life that aren't just success. Yeah, I, I'm there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. We are done with all of this series guests, and we are now done. We are wrapping up, coming to the end of the bonus episodes as well, the Q and As and the behind the scenes. And I just feel incredibly proud of what we've done. I think it's a fantastic lineup of guests for season one. No pressure for season two. <laughs> I think, <laughs> mate, you know me, it's all about biggering and keeping moving and keeping things positive and bringing in great people. I think we, I am incredibly excited for what comes next, but I definitely, definitely need a break. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And let's, let's just be clear, Rich is a massive fan of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I am. And I think that's the first reference that you've thrown in. So, <laughs> bit biggering from the Lorax. So, yeah. I'm glad that you finally got Anyway, it. we have some questions. Let's wrap up with some questions and leave you all to your Christmases. So, we've, we've gone through all the different conversations. Everyone's got an amazing story, but a different story. Yeah. Some people are well-known, some people not so well-known. So of the guests you've spoken to this season, which guest most surprised you and why? Okay. I mean, maybe Susie? Yeah. I don't know if that's recency bias. Quite possibly. But I was thinking Calder then. She was, she was the first person that came to mind because it's an incredible CV of achievements. Yet for me, again, I've been around a lot of those people that have created and they've achieved those incredible things. But for her, it it seems like a her journey isn't 
ended anywhere near and b she's she's not motivated by achievement in the same way that lots of people are it's about you know what does that achievement then do is it a springboard for supporting and helping other people no doubt why she's an mba i think susie surprised me because in fact just in it this will feel like a bit of a an, another recap on the the interview and i don't mean it to be but i went into that interview not knowing what to expect i'd listened to her i'd read about her all of those things so i went in knowing send me the direction I'd, I'd want it to go in but i went into it thinking if this is just a chat about running i've got 10 minutes in me much like i have when i run um <laughs> you know i've got very very limited running chat so then when i opened with tell me about where you were born and she said funny story i was born on the grounds of a mental asylum and we i wasn't expecting that were you? i looked i think i narrowed my eyes DiCaprio-esque, narrowed my eyes. <laughs> and I went, right, this is going to be a great interview. I knew it from the moment she said that. I, th- I thought, this has completely changed the dynamic of what I thought this might end up being. But what I don't want is for it to just be a, a, a run chat. She's done plenty of those. So she surprised me and it just wasn't that at all. She'd had this really wide and varied life and incredible experiences. I mean, even even touching on, you know, she is... Getting get trapped on the on the Great Wall of China. She spoke about racism in China. So I was interested. She grew up, in, she was born in the 70s. I was like, oh, half Chinese, interesting. You know, how did that play out? Well, you asked the question. Your parents is mixed, uh, you know, as a mixed relationship. And I know that didn't work out for them um, in terms of the relationship, but they, you know, like, how was that? And she said, oh, it's fine. You know, where, where we were, it was really, you know, really, really multicultural, diverse, yeah. really diverse. So then when she spoke about racism in China and getting spat at, getting her hair pulled, getting hit by a police officer and I'm there thinking this is just not how I thought this interview was going to go <laughs> so again forgive me for any recency bias but you know is there a guest that surprised me Susie really did it was just shocking wasn't it you just you don't you don't expect to hear that so okay so we've touched on the next question a little bit we've more so, so this questions around editing and we've touched a little bit around how taken taken things out because it didn't quite fit mm-hmm. but obviously we've heard all these amazing stories where and we talked about Calder where we got almost two hours in before we talked about the, the sort of you know the flagship thing that that she'd done is there is there anything that you've any interesting stories that you had to that you knew about but then didn't have time to ask about or any stories that came out during the interview but then had to be edited out just for the sake of making it a listenable podcast. We can't, no, not everyone can do a Joe Rogan four hour interview. Mm. So was it, was there anything that you heard that was, that was really interesting or, or, or weren't able to explore in full depth? See, I don't mind about length. I think if it's an interesting person, you pick it up, you put it down, you pick it up, you put it down. That's okay. I think, you know, it's not like a film. You don't have to watch it. And, and I know some people watch films in weird ways, but you know I prefer to watch a film beginning to end. You experience the whole thing as it is. I think with podcasts, you don't, it's, it's not necessarily something that has to be consumed in that way. So it's never been about editing out for length, but we definitely edited things out that either took took the, direct, the, the direction of conversation in a way that you know steered too far away from maybe where you know where we had been and where I was hoping to go. We've taken things out. That and I think this is a duty of care to the guest that maybe they didn't mean in the moment with a microphone in their face, or that they said something 
in the moment and they think actually yeah can, can we not talk about that uh, you know and, and it might be something quite personal to them to their family or a social issue you know it, there are lots of hot button controversial topics that people aren't especially forgiving of people trying to understand and articulate 2023 you know i think we've been quite supportive of these guests they, they come to us you know they they give me and us uh, a lot of themselves i think it's important that we consider them and how it plays out post fact so even levi talking about the arrest and you know being framed that was a decision to keep that in and i'm, I'm glad that we did you know it speaks to you know him and how he feels about the situation you know the truth of the matter that's between him and the courts and, and and all of those things it's not for again i know i said this at the time but it's not for me to judge it's it's like does that add to to the general you know, sense of who who we believe and you know who i believe levi, levi to be well yes it does so i think it, it worked really really well uh, I, I don't think there was anything that we we edited out it should have stayed in i think you know we we've got quite a meticulous editing process i go through first so content a content edit listen to it um, sometimes you know i play myself on you know 1.5 speed i'll go through on that first edit then eddie will go through and edit for both content and quality and then we listen again so it goes through three edits you know it's, it's i think people don't realize that this you know it's, it's not just spaffed out hopefully that answers your question it does it does and it kind of leads on to a to a secondary question that i don't think you would have experienced yet but as you go on you will so it'd be interesting at this stage of the podcast to how you might approach it so i've heard and this is more mainstream media interviews where there's certain areas that guests do not want to be discussed mm-hmm. and they can be quite it can be quite serious, interesting topics, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it's like, right, do not talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. If and when you come across somebody like that, do you do you think having those kind of restrictions will will negatively impact the conversation, or could negatively impact yeah, the conversation? Yeah, I do. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that does come a, you know, a certain kind of oh no, sorry, you can't speak about that. <laughs> this is this is my train set. <laughs> you know, go, go play with your own. Which, which I appreciate isn't going to be loved by everybody. And I might change my tune the second that I get insert person here that says, can we just please not talk about that divorce? But again, that's, that's, there's a kindness in and an appreciation for Marnie. That she, it was quite clear she didn't want to talk about her dad and you know, him, his passing away when she was eight. So it's like, well, that's been covered by other media. I can allude to it in, in other areas you know, like, like this. If you want to find out about that, go Google it. Yeah, but in the room that would fundamentally change the conversation. So you know, am I? I, I don't feel like it's it's authoritative to say, can we please not talk about that very painful thing? <laughs> you know, if I was talking to somebody and yeah, there was some you know a really high profile divorce or a you know, really high high profile court case or something, I'd, I'd be like an idiot not to appreciate them in that moment and see the humanity of the situation. And think, well, Chris, there's so much more to talk about here. You know, if if I got a long list of this laundry list of things I couldn't talk about then I might reconsider speaking to that person. I think it's, it's going to be on a case-by-case basis, but, and, and it will happen, I know it will, where somebody says, oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that thing. Can I still get a great conversation out of that person, with or without that thing? Well, so these are the wrapping-up questions now. Yes. So obviously we are coming to the end. So see, you've alluded to a Series 2. When can we expect Series 2 
I like that you say we, like, you know. Like, I'm uh, a listener. Yeah, I know you are. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm very I'm, grateful. Yeah, I'm, I'm a listener. So when, when can we expect season two? So I'm, I'm awful at keeping track of podcasts, right? So I've followed you. So now my understanding is that by following, that when yeah. you do launch the... So if you follow or subscribe on Apple, Spotify and certain thing here, then the second that an episode comes out, it's, it'll be downloaded and you'll receive that. Uh, so to answer the question, the new series, I'm thinking we are going to be recording in the next few months, next couple of months. We're going to be doing video. Um, I think it's probably going to be February time earliest. Get Christmas out of the way. Get you know, and, and that's with the guests as well. It, it's going to close down right now. You know, people are going to stop accepting, you know, interviews and all that stuff. So you know, Christmas will be a, a dead time for interviews. So then I want to get a load in the bank, just like I did with this one. It helps hugely. It helps from an editing perspective. It helps from a, a continuity and the sheer number of messages, as I've said before, that have to go back and forth perspective. Yeah, I think February is a good bet. I need a break as well. It's I do this beside work and everything else. You know, one, one thing that it has done is, you know, I'm not training as much as I was. So I, I don't feel like I'm in as good shape as I was. Oh, now it and, comes out. He needs the break. Right? He's, he's going to video. This is it. So he needs the three months to get back. Listen, you think, <laughs> listen, you think, he thinks he's got me there. He thinks he, <laughs> he thinks this is some sort of gotcha. I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to say, listen, I've, I've been in decent shape or half decent shape at least. And right now I don't feel like I am. <laughs> <laughs> so just bear with me, man. If obviously, if I'm lucky enough to be invited back yeah. next season... Uh, I'm going to have to speak to Blind Boy or something and understand how to create a mask if there's going to be a video. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For anybody that doesn't get that reference, Blind Boy... Wears is, a plastic bag on his head. He wears a plastic bag on his head and he uses masking tape to kind of seal it. And it's all about maintaining anonymity. So Stokes is talking there about keeping himself anonymous. Mm-hmm. So we are now officially at the end. Um, so do you want to take the opportunity to give any final reflections on the first season? Before yes. we say goodbye. I do. There have been so many people that have helped to make this happen that I think that is the most important thing to do is to say thank you. I, I, I end every episode thanking the listener. Um, I thank the guest. But the people that have helped to make this happen, if I if I look back and I, I spoke in the last one about Dave Vitti, about Comedy Dave, uh, you know, Nina Sowets, who put me on to Comedy Dave. Um, you know, I've thanked them. I tweeted earlier on to thank them. I, yeah, that's Fred Calazzo. At the rugby pod, I want to thank Fred for taking my call, speaking to me, supporting me. He gave me some really, really good advice in relation to the types of interviews, how to speak to people, how to find people, all of that stuff. So thank you to Fred. Uh, Listen to the rugby pod forever. I think it's fantastic. And yeah, just really, really grateful for that. I want to thank Johnny Mouncer as well. He weirdly went to our school in fact johnny was a few years below us at crypt um and now he's head of creators at spotify so you know i've I've gotten i've spoken to him and so he's been really really gracious with his time and and supportive Stu whiffin i mentioned Stu a few times throughout these last few things kind of a, a a newer friend but you know somebody nonetheless that's it's been super supportive since we've spoken and brought me onto a few of his podcasts. And as I say, the, the success of this in and or the the, the kind of you know, jumping listeners, it's coincided with me guesting on other podcasts as well. You know, I'm I'm hugely appreciative of, of Stu's help 
and Chris Glasson then, you know, his friend and, and, and co-host on Hardcore Listing. Um, so that's the Distraction Pieces Network. So they've been really supportive. And then on a more day-to-day, week-to-week level, thanks to producer Eddie, he's been in the trenches with me and nobody deserves to have to listen to my voice as much as that man's had to. Uh, so thank you to Eddie. Thank you to Rami and his team for the social media promos. They've been absolutely fantastic. Um, thank you to my partner, Vic. She is the person that created the jingle that I can now not separate the uh, the, the podcast from. I couldn't imagine it without it. Uh, thanks to the man, the beautiful man sat opposite me, Mr. Stokes. He's turned around. <laughs> what a knobhead. <laughs> Mr. Ashley Stokes um, for his support. Thank you to my friends who've all been really, really kind everybody that's messaged or listened or you know stopped me in the street and said something kind um thank you to the random people that i didn't know but now do that have messaged and you know kind of come along on this with us and i think at the risk of upsetting anybody i think that's a a fairly concise list of people that i should be thanking it doesn't happen in a silo you know there's there's the, the schwarzenegger video where he he says, you know, call me anything you want, but don't call me a self-made man because it's all these people behind me that have, that have made this happen. And I think the second that you decide to do something, the second you create, you know, an idea and more than create an idea, then you kind of birth that idea into the world and realize the people that you need around you to support the the development of that thing. You know, it, it becomes its own thing and then it, you know, it kind of creates with it its own community <laughs> of people. So... I, I'm so incredibly appreciative of any and all support and just hope that you stick with me for Series 2 as and when we get to it. What an awesome way to end it. I think so. Cheers. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.